as we are ever going to be. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. We will get started with some prayer. Um, and uh, we have Psalm 127 today uh, as, our, as our opening. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is vain that you should rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the, the, fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Um, I really like the way that this talks about um, you know, laboring in vain if it's not in the Lord's plan. You know, that there's a sense of uh, um, sometimes... You know, you have all of your grand designs, and it just doesn't work the way that you intended to. Um, and, uh, you know, it is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. <coughs> Any of you ever get anxious about what's going on in your life? Not and going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, vain, emptiness, foolishness, you know. And uh, for us to be able to just be at peace uh, with what God has, uh, has blessed us with is a, is a good thing. Now, there is some stuff here about, um, about children uh, being a heritage from the Lord. Uh, I think that this is something that's important, an important message in our culture today. Um, more and more people do not see children as a, uh, as a blessing. Uh, and there are people who are, are choosing uh, to just flat out not have children, which I, you know, and I know that sometimes, you know, couples, they struggle with this and struggle mightily. Um, and, uh, you know, they long to be able to have children and it, and it doesn't happen. Um, you know, and, and that is a, that, that is a real sorrow for some people. Um, but it, it seems to me The, the thought being that when children come, that is a gift and it is a blessing and we rejoice in it. And not something that we should just reject. Um, you know, and uh, you know, to recognize uh, the, the gift that God gives to us uh, in family. So. Uh, I did notice though it says here, of one's youth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that, in that, as I'm getting older, understand that better. I can't chase around my grandkids like I could chase around my kids. Yeah, that's true. And stuff. So, and, and that's something that Chris and I have talked about from time to time. Because, you know, we were in our low 20s when we got married. And how old were we when Rick was born? 98, so I was like 27. Yeah, so... 26, 27 years old, you know, somewhere in there. You know, when people don't even get married until they're they're 30, you know, I mean that that can be hard. Our, our um, Lucy was born. You were about 35, um, somewhere in there, and uh, that was considered to be a uh, at-risk pregnancy. Mm -hmm. You know, 
and uh, uh, the energy is very different, uh, you know, as we get older and uh, our bodies change and all of that stuff. Yeah. We all have different talents. Yeah. And for some people, parenting is not one of their talents. And it can be a blessing to realize that. Unfortunately, it, it doesn't always follow the people who realize it are actually the ones who make bad yeah. parents. Sometimes the ones who would make bad parents are the ones that really want. Yeah. There's another side of that, though, because sometimes I find people who say, I could never do this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, and it's one of those things, once you find yourself in a situation, you find that you actually can. Oh, yeah. You know, I wonder if a lot of that is, uh, I'm afraid. It can be, it can be. But Ed's right, too, that sometimes there is a discernment that's in there that, you know, this person really, no. Yeah, and I think there's also a third part to this triangle, which is that I don't want to. Yeah. That, that you know, I could, but, oh, that's a lot. And that is, I, I think, just in, in my experience, that gets wiped out once the baby arrives. It, it gets wiped out once? Once the baby arrives. Yes, yes. Because there's instincts that get triggered that you never knew you had at all of a sudden. You care a whole lot about this yeah. package. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think about it as a, you know, uh, a gift. So it, it's not that you know you have to have it. No. But if the gift comes, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it shouldn't just be rejected out of hand. Yeah. You know, sometimes you change your mind. The, my daughter just had the baby. Yeah. It's her second. She and her husband have been married for 15 years, and they didn't want children. I mean, mm. they were very upfront about it. Yeah. And before the first one was born, I remember my older children all had theirs, and theirs were getting older, and I said, well, I... My daughter said, well, let me start getting rid of cleaning out the house, downsizing. Let me get rid of all the baby stuff. She said, love, do it. why? I said, your sister's not married, and you and Patty don't want to have children. You told me this is, Mom, don't get rid of the baby stuff. Well, why should I give you Mom, I'm pregnant. We decided to have whatever. There you go. There you go. And now they have two. Yeah. Well, yeah. Two weeks ago. Yeah, they're waiting to you. And there's nothing like getting rid of the baby things to get yourself pregnant. That happened to us, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I think it's a, think it's a lot. What's that? They're in their late 30s. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's just not the same game, so to speak. So, um, and not that that's wrong. You know, I don't, I don't want you to hear any judgment in what I'm saying. But they weren't ready in their 20s. It wasn't what they wanted. And now they are, so... Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the song. So to get started, I, I I want you to think you know not just you know session go home and do nothing with you know what we talked about. Uh, so I, I want to start with a, a question, a um, question that I ended with last time, so to speak. Uh, but what is one insight or one word or something comforting or maybe something challenging? from last week that maybe stuck with you at least until Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Ron and I came up with the same concept. It was the groaning. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Was there anything from last week that impacted your life? 
Was it last week or the week before? Yeah. That's for the that. That's a long time ago. That's the word I was talking about. Yeah. Nancy looked at it and goes, Oh, I better think of when we. So I, I want to I want to pick up where we left off, and it's this whole idea of you know God works all things to the good for those who, who love Him. You know, we seek to live in His commandments, uh, and, uh, and and there's this part that talks about God's purpose, called according to His purpose. What is God's purpose? What is God's plan? Because we talked about this, how sometimes bad things happen and we're like, you know, we got to be careful when we say that was God's plan, right? You know, it, it isn't always that clear. I think back to when Hurricane Katrina um, hit New Orleans, you know, there was a very famous televangelist at the time who was very politically active. Um, and, and he said, well, you know, that happened because... Right. of the, the immorality of that town. Uh, I've heard similar things regarding Haiti. You know, the big earthquake hit Haiti in 2010, you know, and somebody got up and said, well, that is because of voodoo in that, that country and in that nation. I want to see the written, written thing that God sent him that told him that. You know, well, now, can we say that bad things happen to people because sin and evil are, you know, we are sinners and, and the wages of sin is death. And broadly speaking, bad things happen because of sin in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think I do have a, uh, I do have a thought about it. So um, basically I was asked about that question. Uh, I recently uh, started working in a landscaping company. Yeah. And... Um, and the people that I that the people that I was working with while we were doing our work, we sh tried to like share our thoughts and share our faith, and um, basically, um, yeah. So basically, uh, what happened is like when they when they when they do work, they get stressed out and try to vent, but they vent in a different way. It's not very appropriate. Which I try to uh encourage them or like try to let them know that there is other ways to vent around if okay you want to get your stress level down there are a lot of scientific ways to do that there are a lot of spiritual ways to do that and uh from that point i was introduced that which church i go to even though we mold and uh, do a lot of landscaping work like in this Hudson area and from that point uh, it, the, the topic arises that which church I go to and there's a differentiation that I'm a Lutheran there they brought up they, they, uh, they brought up in Catholic and uh, and I was trying to share my faith share my thoughts and from that point of view I was literally questioned that then why bad thing happens to people I was like well, God, uh, that God, for one thing, God has given each and everybody their free will. We all have free will to choose. Even though the Satan, the Lucifer, who was the most beautiful uh, soldiers of God, but he chooses the wrong path. So each and everybody has their um, own free will to choose which path they want to go. Number one. 
and according to the according to that they will get the side effect or the beneficial effect and the thing is why bad things happen to people uh, that is well when people try to challenge God then what's gonna happen true everything has been written in the Bible all the questions that we ponder in our mind has been answered in the Bible and it has answered in the Bible that if somebody um, dishonor God will curse them so it's like God has given them the power and also they are instead of believing God instead of letting Jesus Christ entering in their uh, their life they if they try to like take advantage of that power and like mostly like literally challenge God that well you are not God I am God this kind of stuff that stuff needs to be like washed away like clean away like full format like full restoration that's why bad thing happens to people or like that that's why okay there is flood happened this happened that happened Thank you. I, I try to like establish my thought in this way. Yeah. So I, I want to push back against a couple of things there because there are a lot of wicked people in this world who do well. In fact, it talks about this in the Psalms where they kind of lament, why do the wicked prosper while your, your people suffer? You know, so, you know, it's, it's not always a one-to-one -one that, you know, if you do bad things, God's going to smite you. I do think that there's a broader principle that says we live in a world that has been subjected to frustration because of sin and bad things are going to happen in our lives. Now, what we always consider blessings, that nothing bad ever happens to us, God doesn't always look at it that way. You know, he, he, he clearly sees some things differently. Um, you know, because when you read through the Old Testament, Job was a righteous man, right? And yet he lost everything in a day. You know, what did Job do wrong? Nothing. Right. You know, and so we, we all, there's a mystery that's involved here. And, and so when, when we start talking about what is God's will, I think we also have to be, you know, we have to be careful when we start looking and saying, well, that is clearly, you know, God's will that that person be punished for this or, you know, the like. I think that there's a broad curse that is upon the land because of sin, and that is being pushed back against by the salvation that Christ has brought into this world. You know, so we, we don't we don't strive to follow God's law in order that He'll be good to us. You know, He has been good to us even in the bad things that happen to us, and we continue to live in this trust and this forgiveness that even when bad things happen, that may or may not be our fault at all. That he is going to work those for the good of his salvation, and, um, and that he is going to um, uh, have a bigger purpose and plan that is at work in this world that he's going to to, to do. That it's not you know you did this and I'm smiting you. Not that he can't do that. Not that sometimes he doesn't do that. 
But he chooses the time and place. But he chooses the time and place. In fact, we can say that all of us will be smitten, right? Because at the end, who doesn't die? Yeah. In this life. Yeah, yeah Carolyn. One of my thoughts is that, that, <coughs> is that's, that there's the, the natural consequence of sin. That God's not inflicting on us. It's just isn't He who created well, well, natural I'm consequences? Saying, well, I'm just saying, but He's not smiting us. He's not. He's just letting the natural consequences happen. Yeah. See, this is another thing. Why do we want to let God off the hook? Well, I'm not saying take, letting Him off the hook. It's still natural consequences. Right. And it's God's natural consequence. Yes. You yeah. know. Yeah. You know, and uh, um, if you kick the door barefooted, you're going to have a sore toe. And yes. that's not punishment from God. That's just the way things happen. Isn't it? Doors are hard. No. Didn't he protect your toe? Why should he? Well, because he's God. Yeah. So can he, he can make the decision. He can make the choice. Because sometimes it's good for you to be protected, and sometimes it's good for you not to. My mother had a lot of bad things happen to her in her life. But... There were a whole lot of people who looked at her and how she dealt with things and what she said. And there were a lot of people that grew closer to God because of how she reacted to the bad things that happened in her life. Yeah. So it was a positive blessing for lots of other people when mom suffered difficulties. So here we are, we're in Romans chapter 8. Going back to groaning. Right? The world groans because it was subjected to futility in hope. Right? <clears throat> Who subjected the world to futility? God did. But he did that in hope. Okay? There is a mystery that's involved here. And so we tend to do one of two things where we try to excuse God and say, well, God, you know, that's not his fault. Uh, and then on the other side of that is, you know, that God does everything. And I think maybe, because you can get both out of the scriptures, right? Maybe we're dealing with something that's a little bit of a mystery that we come at with some holy awe and humility and, and recognize bad things do happen to good people mm -hmm. and God does use them to good mm -hmm. sometimes bad things happen to, uh, to to good people and we don't understand why at all yeah. you know and sometimes good things happen a lot of times good things happen to bad people and you're like why is that because yeah. God knows better than we do and as it says in Romans chapter 1 that sometimes God gives us the desires of our heart as a punishment of our sin because what is what his ultimate plan is, and we're going to get to that. Yeah, Ed. Okay, uh, I think there's two pieces to God's plan. A very simple piece and a complex piece. The simple piece is that God's plan is that we're all going to die and be resurrected and live in joy forever. And what happens in this life absolutely pales in comparison to that. The other part is complex. It's about what happens in this life. God doesn't tell us what his plan is. And things that happen to, to you may not be about you at all. Mm -hmm. God plays a long and mysterious game. Not as a trivial game. I got you. But, but as, as, as a strategy game. 
And, and we are not privy to the details of that. Right. So we should still do good things in this world. Absolutely. And we should recognize that things like depression, which I've certainly been through, are, are part of that futility. They're not something you can just say, I'm a Christian, I don't have time for that. <laughs> you can say it, but it ain't going to help. Say it, <laughs> but it, it also really doesn't help to say it about someone else. Right. You know, I, I used to absolutely hate that, that hymn, How Can I Keep From Singing? Mm. You know, because I didn't feel good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those things happen. But there's no rational reason. Things like depression or emotional are not rational. There's no rational reason to be anxious about what's going to happen in this world, even when it looks terrible, mm -hmm. if you trust in God. And yet when something terrible happens to you, you can count on the fact that God yeah. is in that, yeah. and that... He's going to use this to your good somehow. He's Some going to or somebody's good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're serving him in his kingdom, is that not good for you too? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it, just sometimes hard to realize. Really hard. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah. Yes. And we can do that because there is a overarching purpose and plan that God has for us. Yeah. And I want to dig into that by reading some scripture passages. God does not feel obligated to explain it to us. Um, actually, he has explained this to us abundantly. But not when, specifically. No, not, not these little parts of our lives. Yes. Some no, of which no. feel absolutely huge. Yes. But and, the bigger. Yeah, but when some little thing happens that, that really seems to be big and messes things up for a long time, we think God should explain it to us and make it clear. And God says, why? I'm God. You're not. Take it. Go. Be yeah. who I want you to be. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that that becomes, I shouldn't say it's easier. It's something that, that we can maybe accept differently when we live under this overarching purpose, when we trust that there is an overarching purpose and plan. And that's what I want to dig into now. And I want to start this by reading some of these scripture passages. And, uh, and I will take volunteers starting with Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Who's speaking? God. God speaking. Where? In the garden. In the garden. This is, this is the first promise that what has happened because of the work of the serpent is going to be undone. Right? Mm -hmm. Second one, Genesis 12. Um, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right, do you know who this, do you know who's talking here first? God, God. God is. And do you know who he's talking to? Abraham. Abraham. Catch that last bit. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. blessed. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Not hear that big overarching. Isaiah 42. Would somebody be willing to read that one? 
Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will give to no other, nor my praise to carve idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. What do we see and hear of God's plan? I give you as a covenant to open blind eyes, to release prisoners sitting in darkness. This is a salvation motif, isn't it? God is speaking here and he's pointing us ahead to a savior. And is this this savior only for um, the people of Israel? It's for everybody. It's for everyone. Isaiah 49, verse 6. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. I love this passage. It's not enough for me to just save Israel. It, it is too light. It is too small for me to just save one nation, God says here. I'm going to save everyone. Uh, an, another one from uh, the Old Testament that uh, I should have included, but uh, I, I actually just thought of this one last night. Uh, from Ezekiel chapter 33. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? God takes no pleasure in death. Yeah, we could say death of the wicked, but you know, when, when, the, uh, when the measure gets applied appropriately, that gets everybody. Um, and... Uh, um, God takes no pleasure in death, but that the wicked turn. The Hebrew word for turn can also be translated repent. What, what you know? Are we, are we starting to see something about God's larger plan, larger purpose? How about um, Luke chapter nineteen? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. All right, now who's talking there? Uh, Jesus. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Uh, does it get much more direct than, than this, by the way? Pretty solid. Yeah, I, you know, I came to seek and to save the lost. Um, Luke 24. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day raise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. 
Okay. Once again, Jesus is talking. Luke 24. What, what has happened before this? Think of the context of Jesus' ministry. when he's coming back to Jerusalem for the final week? It's after that. Oh, it's after that. Okay. So Jesus has already been raised, raised from the dead. Okay. This is actually right before the ascension, as it's recorded in, in Luke. These are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms. What do we call that? Testament. The Old Testament. Everything that was written in what you call the Old Testament must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scripture, so the Old Testament scripture, um, that they would believe that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and repentance and forgiveness should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. All nations. Which includes us. Which includes us. Absolutely. His beginning at Jerusalem and Starting to see a, starting to see some major. Um, John chapter one. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, "This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me." For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Okay. There's a little bit that's going on here in, in, um, behind the, uh, the translation that doesn't come across well in the English. Um, it says, the word has become flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt can also be translated tabernacled, which nobody talks that way anymore. So dwelt is a better translation. Except, where did we hear about a tabernacle in the past? When the Israelites were camping. Yeah. The, the Israelites were in the wilderness and they're traveling and God instructs them to build a tabernacle. Yeah. And the purpose of the tabernacle was... It was a dwelling place for God. The dwelling place of God. Yes. And yes, worship is definitely part of that. And so, God has them build this tent that is going to be his dwelling place. And you might remember in the, in the uh, account of the Exodus that God led the people by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. That pillar rested right above the tabernacle. And how many tribes of Israel? How many sides of a rectangle? Three tribes on each side. And there's... They're told which side to put each tribe on. And in the middle of them, there is the tabernacle with the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night so that every time an Israelite walks out of his tent and looks at the center of the camp, God is here. Mm -hmm. The word became flesh and tabernacled 
right there in the midst of us to say, God is here. To what end? Why does he want us to know that? So we know that we're not on our own. And because he is our savior. That he is right there in the midst of us. You know, so from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. This idea of the law given through Moses, that comes very naturally to us. Grace and truth come from Jesus. Jesus comes to bring grace, this, this, to reveal this attitude that God has toward us, that he continues to love us despite our sin, and he also brings truth. And the important truth is that though we are sinners, we are still loved and saved in Jesus. John 20, verse 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. All right, this is the, the last verse of John chapter 20. Uh, John is 21 chapters long. Uh, so after this comes the account of the, uh, uh, the great catch of fish and Peter being reinstated. But this comes like right after the resurrection. And it's like John kind of wraps up the book and is like, oh, I got to tell that story too. You know, and, and, uh, um, and, and he puts the purpose of the book. He, this is why I wrote this. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. I like the way he wraps it up. Yeah. You know, yeah. the whole theme of what he's saying. Yep. In a nutshell. And then one more. This is actually part of our, our scripture readings today from 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. What does God desire? People to be saved. And come to a knowledge of the... Truth. Yeah. So what is God's purpose and plan? When we, when we think about all the things going on in the world, as we think about the, the struggles and the trials and, and, and the, the, the terrible things that happen, the great things that happen, um, you know, the, the whole span of history, the confusion that's going on in our world right now. What's God's purpose and plan in all of this? To bring us closer to him. All people to be saved. To share his love and salvation. Yeah. To save sinners, right? And, and so when we look at what's going on in the world when we think about, you know, God works all things to the good of those who love him. Uh, and, you know, when we think about the world groans, you know, because it's subjected to futility and hope. 
And if we want to talk about God having a purpose and God having a plan, he does. He does. It, it might, might not be, you know, well, God's plan for my life is that I'm going to be an aviator or a, uh, you, know, you know, rock star or, you know. But his plan for you is definitely this, that you know his son and that you find forgiveness and salvation in him. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole chapter in the screw tape letters about where, where screw tape is rejoicing in World War II and all the violence and everything. And his uncle is saying, oh, no, no, you, you shouldn't rejoice in, in war. Wars are where people learn about things bigger than themselves. And, 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 and you know, one of the things I really hadn't thought of when I first read that was that that would apply to both sides. Yeah. Even if you're on the wrong side it takes you outside of yourself yeah yeah um neil gaiman and terry pratchett put together a, a book um it was just made into a, a tv series um shoot Sandman? no it was before that one um oh so it, it it posits that there is a, uh, um, in, with the angel that had the sword at the garden, becomes friends with a demon. And, uh, uh, anyhow, and these two, they kind of bounce off of each other throughout history. And, uh, and this demon at one point is in London and uh, he's giving a report to his superiors. Uh, uh, you know, so, you know, how have you uh, tempted people? He goes, I caused a traffic jam. <laughs> That'll do it. And, you know, and these other ones are like, I caused this person to murder so-and-so, and I caused this person to embezzle this, 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 and you're bragging about a traffic jam? He's like, hear me out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he just makes this list of all these people, and they're like, whoa. Because mm -hmm. we get wrapped up in the little things. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and it's the little things that really... Get us ginned up. There's a whole sequence in Bedazzled, in the, the original. I don't know, I haven't seen the set, the new, the, the remake, but where the devil is, is, he's complaining about not being, you know, how can you get any good work out of sloth, you know? <laughs> all, all of his servants are sort of, he says, you know, but he you know, takes the form of a crow and poops on windshields. And that, yeah, that, that's how there's. <laughs> But when we know that there's something bigger yeah. that allows us to endure <coughs> things, it gives us hope in the midst of our suffering, it, it brings us back to this message that, you know, yeah, even, even this terrible thing that's going on, you know, God's at work. You know, I think of the early church, persecuted, brought into the, uh, uh, the arena, facing wild animals, all of these things. It's terrible. It's horrible stuff. And yet, in retrospect, a guy named Tertullian writes, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Mm -hmm. That this witness in the face of this horrible moment just turns so many people's hearts that there, you know, there's something there. And they came to faith even through the 
the suffering that they you know, saw somebody else going through. And so when we start talking about what is God's purpose, what, what is God's plan? God's purpose and plan is salvation. Now, because we're living in a crazy time that is filled with conspiracies, mm-hmm. um, I will say that there is a big conspiracy that's out there too. But it's probably not the one that you think about. Because God does have an enemy that is at work in this world. Mm-hmm. And he is seeking to lead our hearts away from him. And it probably doesn't always look the way that we expect it to look. We expect it to look like wickedness and paganism and all this craziness. But he's just got to get something else in our hearts ahead of God, right? Mm-hmm. To trust in something other than Jesus for our salvation. Yeah, Ed. What about the person who kills the martyrs? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the main message is judge not. Because, you know, if we think that they're doing something evil which fulfills God's plan, it gets all sort of tangled up in the logic of it. Uh, I think we can. I think we can judge the deed. Right. That that is something that is wicked and that is evil. Um, but is that person redeemable? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times they don't realize they have no concept of the fact that they're doing something wrong. They think that they're doing right. Oh yeah. yeah. A lot of times, yeah. uh, you know, um, they're doing something in service to their country or in service mm-hmm. to the, the emperor or, or whatever. But, yeah. but there are stories about torturers yeah. who came to faith through the testimony of the people who were suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a story about a Roman legion, and uh, they were condemned uh, to death because a number of them had become Christians, and they were stranded on ice to freeze to death. Mm-hmm. And one of the, uh, the guards was watching them and they're singing hymns as they're dying. And he throws down his weapons and he goes out to stand among them and be one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a terrible thing. Nobody in this world would look at that and say, wow, that's great. And yet, did God use that for good? Mm-hmm. Would the lives of those 20 men that died is that a, a a worthy trade for one person who was lost and, and condemned in sin and death to come to faith yeah it's a different economy isn't it yeah. but it's kind of hard to accept that if you're the one that's being beat up on unless you believe that there's something bigger it's bigger. still hard it is it still is hard and yet Perpetua, mm-hmm. as she kneeled in the arena, and the poor young soldier who tried to was sent out to kill her, after he botched the job a couple times, takes his sword and guides it to her neck mm. as part of her witness that she's not afraid 
to die. Because she knows where she's going. Mm -hmm. She knows what's next. That the salvation is for her. And I see this in, you know, more normal ways. I sat with a member of our congregation a couple weeks ago and we talked about funeral hymns and the readings. And he's just very at peace because he knows and he trusts the one who has saved him. And that is a blessed, blessed thing. And so, you know, as we think about, you know, God's purpose and God's plan, it, it is to bring salvation in Jesus' name. And he uses our lives to do that. And so, uh, in Romans 8, he says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. By, by the way, how did Jesus win our salvation? Crucifixion. 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 Conformed to the image of his Son. We like to think the glory part. But I think on this side, it's the suffering part. In order that he may be the firstborn of many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And yeah, people will read that, and they'll go, well, what about, what, what about, and, and Paul will tell you, I'm not talking about the whatabouts. I'm telling you about you. And all things work together for good. It does not say all things are good. Yes. They work together for good. And it's important to make that distinction. Yeah. And so you, redeemed by Jesus, you, those ones who, who love God because of the salvation that he has worked in your life, you are foreknown. You are predestined. You are conformed to the image of his son. And sometimes that means suffering. And you are predestined, called, justified, and glorified. He's telling you about you here. So, got a couple minutes left. Um, I want you to, uh, to, again, think about, you know, what is one insight, word, or comfort, or challenge, or something uh, that you, you know, want to hold on to in these verses. Uh, encourage you to take some time to talk with somebody about that, you know, this afternoon, or while you're driving home, or, or you know, whatever. And, um, and think about how would this, uh, this lesson um, impact your faith life. Any questions before I wrap this up with prayer or comments or then let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is uh, a, a known purpose and plan for us. Not not necessarily in terms of, you know, what am I going to do for a living or, you know, a lot of these things of, of this world but that you have loved us in Christ and that you have provided forgiveness and salvation for us and that you want all people to know that salvation. And we pray, Lord, that you would 
use us, use our lives, use our words um, and our attitudes and everything else to share this hope that we have been given in Jesus, to proclaim the good news that draws people to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, folks.